you see, the, the problem is we look look around some of the situations that have been referred to again this morning, and there's a great temptation as we sit here this morning to think, what's the point? What's the point? What what does us gathering here really achieve? The crisis in Gaza, the crisis in Israel, the crisis in the Ukraine, crisis in our own country. I, you, could, you could go on and on forever, couldn't you? What's, it, what's the point? What's the point? But I do really believe that what the Holy Spirit is saying to us this morning is if we will walk in the things that we are called to walk in and we will be faithful, we're not called to be world changers except the world around us the circle of influence, the place where we are walking. And maybe, maybe some of us are called to bigger things. Maybe some of us are called to be peacemakers in these situations around the world. It's all possible. But if we will be obedient and faithful in what we are called to be, that, that really is all that we can do. That is what the Holy Spirit is asking of us. And there is what we're talking about this morning in Ephesians. This is a, a universal global message. It occurred to me that the last time I spoke from Ephesians, I was preaching in German and being translated into Vietnamese. As you do. As you do. And, and yet the message is the same, isn't it? Because our God is the same. And he's the same in China where Katis, Chinese believers, need to be inspired to walk in the Holy Spirit. The Vietnamese believers, people in the Ukraine, people in Gaza, people in Israel, it is a universal message and we shouldn't belittle it or make, make it smaller than it is. My title this morning is Watch How You Walk. Watch How You Walk, Walking and Working. Now, Andy Reid's level of spirituality and preaching is there and he gets to have three points. I only reach about here, so I just got two points this morning. Just two points. But they do both start with the name with the letter W, so there we go. So that is easy to remember. Walking and working. What we're looking at in Ephesians 2 is three fundamental transformations. Three changes that are so far-reaching that just blow your mind. And... If we can grasp these three, then we will be a long way towards moving in the way the Holy Spirit wants us to. And I just want to make one quick point before I should go to the scripture. This is all finished work. Okay, when you look at some of these things and you think, oh, that's, that's for heaven or that's, for, no, 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 that's for the future. No, no, this is now. The Greek tense is a perfect tense. It is a finished work so let's get up let's let that dwell in us and let the holy spirit open it up to us so the first transformation is from death to life as for you you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked when you followed the ways of this world the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. Now, I don't know how your translation translates verse 2. I am a moderate fan of free translation, by which 
I think sometimes it helps because it does put it in a language we understand. But sometimes we miss something that is there. The Greek word in verse 2 is walked. Not lived, but walked. And this is important because when Paul uses that word again later, he's making a point. And our translations miss that because often one is translate lived and one is one is translate goes or does or whatever. It's walk both times. And walking is very important in Scripture and for us. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest were by nature children of wrath. Um, I'm not going to touch here on what that scripture talks about. Children of wrath does not mean predestined to destruction. It's a Semitic phrase. It could mean children who are given to wrath or children who are subject to wrath. It can mean a whole lot of things, but it doesn't mean a lot of things that people have said it does. So you were dead, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. For us to walk in. Old works... God's handiwork, good works. Contrast here that Paul is making. He's not suggesting that our salvation leads us to sit quietly and wait for heaven. Quite the contrary. His suggestion is that salvation, this translation from, king, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, what does it do? It equips us to work, to work to do the good works which God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. From death to life. From separation to inclusion. Therefore remember formally that you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcision by those who call themselves the circumcision which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time this is what we were. You were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Little like some of us feel post-Brexit. This is what we were. We were separated. We were foreigners. We were excluded. That's the truth. That's how it worked. And this is the amazing revelation that Paul had. In Christ, you who were far away have been 
brought near by the blood of Christ. Not will be brought near, not in some future by and by, have been brought near. We are that close to God and to his promises through his Holy Spirit. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, this this revelation that Paul got that completely transformed his ministry, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. If you feel today distraught and saddened by what is happening in Gaza, think of how God is feeling about it. He has provided a solution, broken down this dividing wall of hostility. His plan is to make the two one. That is his cosmic plan, his purpose since before the foundation of the world. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. We were separated, but now we're included. And the third radical transformation is that we have been changed from strangers to citizen. Remember, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him... The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul's using a couple of different images here to try and explain to his audience quite what is going on and what God's plan is. That from being strangers, we are now citizens together with the children of Israel who started it off. This is all finished work. Now, I have a question. Andy mentioned last week this scripture in Acts 19. And I asked, want to ask this morning, what prompted Paul to ask the question, in Acts 19. Remember it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Just imagine Paul coming into our meeting this morning. Would his first question be, River Church Marlowe, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed? It, it's a bit of an odd question really. As he met with these disciples, could he see that they'd been moved from death to life? Could he see if they felt separated or included in God's promises? Could he see if they were strangers or citizens? 
I'm not sure. I suspect not. I think that the question Paul asked was prompted by the question of how were they walking and how were they working? What was the outward working of their inward faith? How do we walk? Paul gives two examples of walking in this in this chapter. First of all, the way we walked when we followed the ways of the world. Not only were we guided at that time by the spirit that's at work in the sons of disobedience, but Paul uses this word, energized by them. Of course, remember that in chapter 1, Andy talked about the power that's at work in us being the same power that raised Jesus from the dead through the Holy Spirit. There's an energizing in the Holy Spirit that equips us and empowers us for the work and the walk. So he says, as for you, you were walking in a way that was following the sons of disobedience, the spirit of darkness. I'm not sure that many of us here this morning would would really say, yes, that's what I'm doing. Every day I get up in the morning and I ask, what is the least helpful, most demonic thing I can do? Let me do that today. I doubt it. I doubt it. There's another way of walking. We walk in the good works which God prepared beforehand for us. Walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit. And that is a walk where each day, each moment, our prayer is, Holy Spirit, where am I going? What am I doing? What are you calling me to? And sometimes that is nothing more than one of our famous nudges. Sometimes we, we think that being led by the Holy Spirit means call to be a missionary in China. And, and we just know that never happens. So, I mean, that's just far too big, isn't it? That's a ridiculous idea. Or we just walk a normal life in Marlow and go shopping and do our job and look after our children. Yeah? Well, I believe the Holy Spirit can speak to us at any level on that path. The slightest nudge of the Holy Spirit to a lifetime calling. Actually, it's all the same. And it's not graded. It's not, this makes you a great Christian, this makes you an all right Christian. Obedience to the Holy Spirit is what we're all called to. But it's not easy. There is a third way of walking, and that's just walking. That's just walking. I'm not looking to satanic influences. I'm not particularly asking the Holy Spirit where to go. Just walking. Innocuous, but also not bringing in the kingdom not bringing in the kingdom, not allowing the kingdom that's in me to grow and change. Watchman Nee, who was a Chinese Christian in the uh, 20th century, wrote a book published towards the end of the 50s, quite simply called Sit, Walk, Stand. And it's, I believe it's about 67 pages long, so it's a, it's a quick read. Uh, it's still available. You can get it on eBay or find it in various places. And He says, Ephesians is quite simple. We sit in heavenly places. We walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and we stand against the power of the enemy. Very simple, very straightforward. If you fancy a quick read through Ephesians, I can recommend it. 
We are called to work, but Paul is very clear. Works are not the source of our salvation, but rather the evidence or the outworking of it, the good works that Paul talks about in verse 10. Walking in the Spirit leads to a life of good works, prompted and empowered by the Spirit. It doesn't lead to inactivity. Quite the contrary, it leads to good works. Prepared beforehand, God's already got them laid out for us. He already knows what it is that he wants us to walk in. Our challenge is to find it out and get on with it. And that's, that's uh, both scary and exciting. And actually, there's a crucial part of that in our community as church brothers and sisters. This is how we help each other find out the good works. Sometimes it's more evident to other people than it is to us. Walking in the good works. So it's all about being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we were talking in our home of the week, the old question used to be, have you been filled with the Spirit? And this is the wrong question, absolutely the wrong question. The right question is, are you filled with the Spirit today? Are you filled with the Spirit today? God is not interested in a date in your diary when you say, that's the day on which I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't care. It's irrelevant. You know in Scripture there are only two days. This day and that day. This day today and that day when Jesus returns. Everything else is irrelevant. What happened yesterday is irrelevant. It's gone. It's finished. Are you filled with his Holy Spirit today? (laughs) Are we listening to the whisper of his voice? Through him, we have access to the Father by the one Spirit. And that is how we will do this. How can we know the good works that we're called to? The whisper of his voice. How can we know the next step? The whisper of his voice. And remember, it wasn't a shouted voice. It wasn't a thunderous voice. It was what the Old Testament calls a still, small voice. If we have so filled our lives with noise, we will not hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit. If we fill our lives with music and conversation and television and social media and phone calls and text messages and, 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 we will not hear the Holy Spirit. He's not going to shout. He's waiting for our attention. And we will have to turn off quite a lot of things if we're really going to hear the whisper of his spirit. Where do I find the strength to go on walking when walking seems difficult and walking seems to be a challenge? I find it in the strength of his presence, the dynamos, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what's available to us through his Holy Spirit. That is the strength, as we were just singing, the strength to face the day, the strength to carry on, the strength to listen for that little whisper. 
where do I find the passion to move beyond the everyday? Where do I find the passion that stirs me up to press on into the Holy Spirit again? Well, it's the fire of his anointing. It's the intimacy of his presence that stokes that fire, fans it into flame again. How do I live in his presence every day? Well, I find it in the comfort of his dwelling place. Paul talks about a temple here, and he talks about a dwelling place. I searched for about 45 minutes to prove a connection between the word dwelling place in Ephesians and the word tabernacle, and it ain't there. (laughs) This actually, the word dwelling place, this Greek word, only appears twice in the whole of the New Testament, once here and once in Revelation, when he's talking about the dwelling place of everything horrible. So it's interesting. Paul basically is just using this word once, dwelling place. Are we desiring to let the Holy Spirit find a dwelling place in us and for our dwelling place to be in him? Place of safety, the place of security, the place that we call home. It's there in his Holy Spirit, living in his presence every day. Access to the Father is given us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always leads us to the Father. That's what he does. And he always shares with us what is on the Father's heart. If you want to know that, we need the fullness of the Spirit. And what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, it's not fireworks, but it's surrender. It's not fireworks, but surrender. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, if there are 60 people here this morning, will look 60 different ways. One size does not fit all. Working with the Holy Spirit in Ali or in Paul or in Sani is different to the working of the Holy Spirit in me because we're individuals. But it's about surrender. It's about the stilled voice, not the storm. What do we see in Acts 19? Acts 19, when Paul prays for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we see two things. We see speaking in tongues, which is to build themselves up, and we see prophecy, which is to build others up. So at its very lowest level, if I can use that phrase, being filled with the Holy Spirit is about us being encouraged and empowered, and that's what speaking in tongues does for us. And it's about us encouraging and empowering others through the prophetic word, which is, again, what the Holy Spirit does. And I have to say that Scripture seems far more interested in the fruit of the Spirit than in the gifts of the Spirit. They both work together, but if all we have is gifts and no fruit, it's not really going to achieve a lot, is it? Speaking in tongues to build ourselves up and prophesy to, to build others up. So we want to give, give us the opportunity this morning just to come again, just to come again, to come for more, come for more of the Holy Spirit, just to ask the Holy Spirit to touch us afresh, to help us in working, help us in walking, just to fill us afresh, to hear that voice, 
to draw close to him and to be used by him in bringing the fruit of the Spirit. So John, would you like to come and play? And I will pray. And uh, anybody who would like a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, come on up. There's plenty for all. Plenty for all. The Holy Spirit wants us to draw close again this morning. The Holy Spirit wants to make his dwelling place fresh with us as we are being built into that temple. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, come fill us afresh. Come and fill us as you felt as you fell on those dozen men as Paul preached to them, as Paul laid hands on them. Come fall afresh on us, Holy Spirit. Take away the tiredness. Take away our weariness. Let us find new fire, new hope, new faith, new commitment to follow you. As we choose, Holy Spirit, to surrender ourselves afresh this morning, ask you to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, breath of God. Fall afresh on me. Come and do what you love to do and lead us to the Father. So let's stand where we are. Let's respond to God. Let's allow him to speak to us, to come fill us afresh. Let's cry out to him the things that are on our hearts, the way we want to walk, the way we want to work. Let's communicate with his Holy Spirit. Let him come and change us.